The word pivot has been used by entrepreneurs for a couple of decades now, but COVID-19 really made that word popular, too popular in fact, and very misunderstood. I think the biggest misunderstanding around the word pivot is that it's become a misnomer for doing something completely different. What COVID-19 did to many businesses is it forced them to relook at their business models. And in some instances, those business models could not pivot. And so the entrepreneur was forced to come up with a new idea. Unfortunately, that brand new idea was also called a pivot. I'm Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. This series is all about learning from the lessons of others, more specifically, learning from the successes and failures that Alon Reyes, CEO of Racecorp, has experienced over the last 20 years. In our previous episode, we looked at the lesson titled Insufficient Financial Runway and how this can occur in our businesses, even in or possibly especially in those where our Excel documents are filled with amazing growth numbers and look brilliant. If your Excel document looks this way, please take a listen to that episode. In this episode, we're looking carefully at pivoting, what it is and what it isn't. But more important than defining it, we delve into how a misunderstanding of pivoting can in fact mean we don't really understand our businesses or even competitive advantage the way we might think we do. Let's rejoin Alon as we start off with some defining and then begin the journey deeper. So before we even start this podcast, I want us to agree what these different words mean so that it's clearer when I talk about pivoting and how to pivot that we are speaking about the same thing. I think it's important to start with the word iteration and what iteration means. Iteration effectively means this slight but constant improvement on your product or service over time. It's about finessing bugs. It's about adapting the product to new contexts. It's about making product or service more efficient. It's about learning from your client base, understanding new emerging needs and pains that they're experiencing and incorporating those into your product or service. Great businesses iterate all the time. A clue for a great business is that you will see they have version control on almost everything they do. Of course, Apple comes out with Apple 1, Apple 2, Apple 3, Apple 7, Apple 10. But look inside the business and you will see also their documentation is version controlled. Their software is version controlled. Everything is version controlled. When you see an organization that is version controlling everything that they do, you understand that they understand iteration. The question to ask yourself is whether your organization is iterating sufficiently, whether you are running a great business that is adapting constantly to the changing internal and external environment. I want to jump to the other extreme, which is complete change. A complete change would be an organization that realizes that either its market no longer exists or, or your technology has become superfluous, 
or there is an incapability within your organization to deliver that product or service any longer. An example of that would be where you are delivering a service or even a product and there is a role within that organization that is a critical role and that person now leaves and there is an inability for you to find somebody else to do that particular thing. So now you cannot deliver that service or if they are contributing to your product, you cannot deliver that product anymore. And as obscure as that example sounds, I see that a lot with small businesses. One day somebody resigns and they simply can't deliver on that product or service anymore. Game over. So they find something else and then label it as pivot. But in my experience, most complete changes do have some degree of pivot in them. The famous example of Nokia that is widely taught in MBAs across the globe about Nokia being a forestry business, becoming a telecommunications business. If you think about it, many of the resources that were used in the forestry business were repurposed for the telecommunications business. The finance department was still there. The brand was still there. The marketing department was still there. It was a complete change in product, but not a complete change in terms of the structure that delivered the product, which is a good segue into the concept of pivot. So based on what we've just heard, are you currently iterating or are you and your team about to push the go button on a complete change? You may not feel that either of these extremes are what you are currently experiencing. Let's follow Alon a little further down the rabbit hole and see if you can identify with what he shares next. So I want to now talk about the concept of pivot and agree that there are two types of pivot. There is a strategic pivot and a non-strategic pivot. And I think we need to go back to the concept of strategy and take a detour into a mistake that many entrepreneurs make, which is to go away in December during their break, read a couple of books, re-energize, come back with a brand new strategy for their business and start sending their businesses in a completely different direction every year, zigzagging and making their team exhausted trying to catch up with a brand new strategy. I am of the view that organizations that course correct their strategy on a monthly basis, if required, those businesses, those organizations perform far better than the ones that zigzag with new strategy on an annual basis. Coming back to the concept of strategic pivot versus non-strategic pivot, for me, the most effective way to strategically pivot is to ensure that wherever you are moving still includes your core competencies. I've spoken in previous podcasts in other series about the concept of core competencies and why they are so important in the concept of strategic pivoting. There is the opportunity to leverage the competitive edge or edges that the company has created in the past within the context of a new product or a new market or a new service or the new channel, that is the pivot. And it is strategic when it remains using your prior 
developed core competencies. The second type of strategic pivot is where there is less emphasis on the core competencies, but there is a focus on the client base or channel to market. This means effectively that I'm selling something new to the same market. So I'm pivoting what I am producing, but the constant in the equation is the market. When I'm knocking on a client's door, they know me, they trust me, the account is set up. It's much easier to access an existing client base than to build a brand new one. That is strategic. Non-strategic pivoting is when you neither use your competencies nor your channel to market. So what can you use to make it a pivot and not a restart? And coming back to the Nokia example, when I spoke about the use of the marketing department, the use of the accounts department, we call that the componentry of the business. When you are using componentry of your business, you're reusing or repurposing the functions, the existing functions within your business, that to me is non-strategic pivoting. It's not a complete restart because you're still using some of the assets that you have built in the past, but they are not strategic parts of the business, such as core competencies, channel and client base. Pivoting is the use of something that already exists, and not a laptop or office space, but a function that has been built, a competency that has been developed, or a client base that has been nurtured. When we pivot, we're doing what entrepreneurs do best. We're leveraging. Understanding it this way means it is clear that it is not iteration as iteration is a process of constant improvement. And it also isn't complete change because complete change really means that there was, in Alon's words, a game over moment. So, are you and your team currently iterating, going on a journey of complete change? Or are you in fact pivoting? strategically or non-strategically. During COVID, I got approached by many entrepreneurs wanting assistance around a new product that they had pivoted to. They came to me to assist them to take their product into market. A great example of an opportunity that was presented to me, which I did not see as an opportunity, was an entrepreneur who was in the printing industry. He presented to me a hygiene control tunnel, a tunnel that sprayed disinfectant on you as you entered a corporate head office. And his ask to me was, could I back him in this business and get him into discovery? My answer was a clear no for two reasons. First of all, I had no core competency around making tunnels. I had no core competency around making tents. I had no core competency within Raisegup in any shape or form relating to creating these spray tunnels. So I could not use any of Raisegup's core competencies. So then I looked to, well, do I have the client base? And Discovery, and particularly the people who would be buying this hygiene spray tunnel, were not my client base. So neither did I have the core competency to produce or understand the production of this tunnel, nor did I have the client 
it was a very easy no. Despite the beautiful Excel spreadsheet, which showed how many millions we were going to make over the next three years. But what was even more apparent was that neither did he have those core competencies. So even when I invest in entrepreneurs, the first thing I look at is, do they have the core competence? Do they have the experience in that space? And do they have the client base? If they have the core competence and the client base, I'm interested. If they have one of the two, I'm slightly less interested. And if they have neither, I'm not interested at all. So this approach was a non-starter for me. It was not strategic. It was opportunistic or perceptually opportunistic. Somebody had seen somebody else doing something and thought, ah, that's a nice idea. I think I can do it. Underline the words, I think. If I had undertaken the project of the spray tunnel, it would have been closer to a complete change than even a non-strategic pivot. And a complete change is something many entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs in fact, completely underestimate in terms of the time, effort, money and pain that it takes in order to effectively start another business again. If they label this complete change a pivot, somehow they convince themselves it might be easier. And it's not. Let's summarize what we've heard so far. The term pivoting is often used too loosely and has included iteration on the one extreme and complete change on the other. Strategic pivoting is the use or leverage of existing core competencies, channels or clients. Non-strategic pivoting is the use of the componentry of your business, the functions you've built over time. Now that we have clarity around whether or not we are pivoting in our businesses, Let's hear what Alon's thoughts are on how to pivot. I think it's important for entrepreneurs to pause before they pivot. A big impetus for pivoting is perceived friction in the market. The academic literature is filled with stories of people who persisted through tens, hundreds, and even thousands of rejection letters and meetings. The two most famous uh, stories we hear are the Edison story and the KFC, the Kentucky Fried Chicken story, about all the rejection that they received before becoming fantastically successful. But a nice modern example of that is the Netflix series, Money Heist. Ironically, the format and the style of the series was not palatable to the local market, the Spanish market, but somehow caught fire globally and became a global phenomenon. One of the most successful Netflix series since its inception. Same product, different market. I think the story of Money Heist is a great story around pivoting and how to pivot and thinking before you pivot. Had the producers of the show changed the format based on the feedback from the market, it probably, no one would ever know, but it probably wouldn't have become the global phenomenon it did. They would have adapted the, the product to the current market and not the market to the current product. I see too many entrepreneurs who 
interpret friction in the market, rejection in the market as a signal that the product is completely wrong and make their decision to pivot or to give up based on a relatively small sample of rejections. Before you pivot and certainly before you give up, my strong recommendation is that you pause Become highly analytical about your current situation. Analyze it in terms of numbers. Analyze it in terms of feedback and not how you feel. Analyze it in terms of who is giving you what feedback. Perhaps there is no product iteration, but your pricing strategy is wrong. Perhaps there's no product issue, but your marketing is poor. There could be many reasons that your product isn't getting traction in the market. It might not be a product. Let me use Alon's words to re-emphasize this point. Before you pivot, and certainly before you give up, my strong recommendation is that you pause and become highly analytical about your current situation. I've been to so many talks, events, plenary sessions, panel discussions, and so-called masterclasses where the speaker or experts talk about entrepreneurial or business instincts, feelings, and intuition. While these undoubtedly exist, what I have observed as I've spent time with Elon and other business leaders of both small and large organizations is that the best amongst these are those that follow instincts or intuition, which is informed by large amounts of solid data and honed over many years to know what data points matter most. So, before you follow that feeling or instinct to pivot, ask yourself, how analytical have I been up to this point? Here are some final thoughts from Elon that speak to a successful path forward as we do this. The concept of pivoting has become quite mainstream with the advent of COVID-19. But if you look back in history, Successful businesses continuously pivot as they read the external and internal market. There is a fitness that a successful business needs to achieve. That fitness is about being able to pivot in micro or big ways. So my advice to you is to keep your strategic pivoting muscle working all the time and not try to use it for the first time only when there is a system shock or game over moment in the marketplace. Head over to racecorp.com where you'll find similar resources and also the opportunity to stay updated on new releases. In addition to this, follow Racecorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find a continual stream of posts and content that have been specifically created and designed to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and I'll see you in the next episode.